Well, hey, this is James. Welcome to the podcast. This is Journey Church, and we're a church that exists so that people will meet Jesus and journey with him. We're in our launch team phase right now, and so what you're going to hear in this podcast are recordings from our launch team huddles as we prepare, put in work, and lay the groundwork, creating the culture for who we're going to be and who we are as a church as we get ready for our grand opening in March of 2022. So come on in behind the scenes, take a listen, and my hope is that you will join us for the journey because the journey continues. Let's listen. So um, so tonight we're going to talk about beliefs, beliefs, beliefs. Uh, this week somebody called me out of nowhere like, so our church is on Facebook and, oh, I meant to say Google. Our church is on uh, Google Maps. So like if you look up Journey Church, you'll, you'll see us as a church. It says our address. I was really hesitant about doing that because weird people uh, out there. And uh, anyway, so we're on Google and my Google number is on there. I have a number that I, like it's my number and then a Google number I use for like business and weddings and things like that. And uh, I got a text from someone asking what time uh, we meet up. And I was like, I don't know who this is or what they're talking about. I thought it was for like weddings that I do because I do tons of weddings. So I was like, are you talking about like for Sunday morning? And he was like, yeah. Um, And I said, oh, uh, we'll start meeting in March 2022. And he was like, haha, LOL. (laughs) I was like. He was like, what time, no, what time do you meet on Sundays? And I was like, we don't meet right now. Um, like, we're doing launch team meetings. We're going to launch then, but it'll probably be 10, maybe 9 or 11. I don't know. Um, and then he said, the next thing, the very next question, he said, okay, quick question for you. What do you think about Kenneth Copeland? And... For those who don't know, Kenneth Copeland is a televangelist, a TV preacher from back in the day. I guess he's still on now. I don't know. He is. So I told him, I don't really think about Kenneth Copeland. Like, I don't, like, I don't, I don't have much of an opinion. I don't know. But from there, he went into, are you one of those healing people and speaking in tongues people? Or, so really what he, what he was trying to get at was like, what do you believe in trying to put me in a box based on what I thought about somebody else? But I just found it fascinating that the, one of the first questions he asked is, what do you think about this random televangelist to like try and figure out beliefs and things like that? And here's, here's so after that conversation, I started thinking, you know, uh, in our church, there are going to be people who are going to come and they're going to assume all sorts of things about what we believe. And maybe you're assuming some things. And so tonight I just want to talk about the beliefs of the church. Um, And there are going to be some things that uh, you may agree with, some things that you may not agree with. But what I find amazing is that we don't have to agree on everything to... Uh, be one. We need to agree on the main things. And so we're going to talk about the main things. But there may be some peripheral things that we don't agree on, and that's okay. 
so we're going to talk about the main things. Just a little bit. So we're going to talk about what we believe so that you know and you're aware of it. And um, we'll be able to answer any questions too. So we'll have time for you guys to ask questions. I'll be able to answer questions that you guys have. Hey, what's up, y'all? We're actually just getting started. So um, if y'all want to come on in, grab a seat wherever you'd like. It's, it's a little smoky right over here. Yeah, and then uh, if you guys want, uh, there's there's kids inside. If you guys want to go inside, you can hang out here too, either one. Uh, if you guys want drinks, there's drinks right here in the cooler. Uh, feel free to get some to drink. <laughs> it's all good, man. So yeah, go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, so we're going to talk about beliefs tonight because also our beliefs shape our actions. We often act out what we believe. Even if, so you may say you believe something, but you don't really believe it. You believe something else because your actions show it, right? And so you may say, oh yeah, this thing is really important, but it's like prove it. Or just look at your actions and see, is it really important to you? No, my kids, they're, they're really, really important to me. Yeah, yeah, But you don't give them the time of the day or the time of day. You don't spend any time with them. You don't like, what your actions show is that your work or your hobbies or your your own ego is more important than that, right? Hey, church is really important to me, right? I, I know you believe that or you say that, but your actions show something else because what you're really choosing is uh, golf or to go to the beach or laziness or convenience or whatever it is, right? Um, hey, my wife is really important to me. I, I know you say that, but so sometimes we say we believe things, but our actions really show us what we really believe. And so a thing uh, that I would challenge people to do is, we'll test that out, right? And so if you say that you're generous and generosity is really important to you, test it, let's test it out today. Go ahead and give, right? Because if, if you don't do that, then generosity is not important to you no matter what you say. If you say, hey, fitness is really important to me, okay, well then let's test that out. What did you eat today? What's your diet this week? What's your workout regimen. Let's just test it out and see if it really is important to you. So what we want to do is we want to form beliefs that are deeply held within us so that those deeply held beliefs shape our actions and then our actions will shape our lives, right? The life you are living, if you hate it, you got nobody else to blame but you. Even if some things happen to you outside of your control, you choose how you respond. You choose what to do. The life you're living is a direct result of the actions you're choosing. And the actions you're choosing are coming from the beliefs that you hold. Not the beliefs you say you hold. The beliefs you actually hold. Does that make sense? Alright. So, what I want to challenge us to do is really look in at what we believe. I say, do we believe it? And do we believe it enough to embrace it? Is it a deeply held belief? We're going to hold on to it with a death grip. And we're going to allow those beliefs to shape our actions, which ultimately will shape our lives to become more like Jesus. Because that's the goal. We want to become more like Jesus. If we don't want to become more like Jesus, I don't know why you're here. Right? Like, that is the goal. Now, for a lot of Christians... 
That's not the goal. For a lot of Christians, the goal is to just be nicer, better. For a lot of Christians, the goal is to appease their conscience. For a lot of Christians, it's so that my kids can have faith. I want to teach my kids what to believe so they can live good lives. And hopefully so they will stay pure until they get married or at least old enough, you know, right? Like, that's, that's the goal. Our goal, the reason why we're here, the reason why we're starting this church is so that people will meet Jesus and journey with him. And you and I need to be the kind of people who we say we are journeying with Jesus so that we can be more like him. doesn't mean you're going to be perfect because none of us are. And the truth is God loves us for who we are and not as we should be because none of us are as we should be. But God's calling us to walk with him, to journey with him and become more like him. So I want to talk about some beliefs that we have and I want to take time to answer questions that you guys have because as people come to our church, they're going to ask questions. And some people have litmus test questions. What does this church believe about X? And for some, it's make or break. What do you think of Kenneth Copeland? What? That's your first question you're asking me, guy? I don't even know? That's your test? Come on, ask me something more important, right? But people come and they ask all kinds of questions. They want to know all kinds of things. And so here's what we believe as a church. First, we believe in the authority of the Bible. The Bible is God's word. The scriptures are God's word. And so if it says it, we want to do it. If it says it, we want to live it. If my life doesn't look like what the scriptures teach, then either I'm wrong or God's lying. Are you with me? If my life doesn't look like what the scriptures teach, then either I'm wrong or God's lying. And I don't think God's lying. So we want our life to align with God's word. Here's why. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for instruction, for conviction, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that the person of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. God's word teaches us and instructs us so that we can be ready to do the things God has called us to do. So I'm going to live my life by what God says. Isaiah 55.10 The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. Now Jesus tells a parable about a farmer who scatters seed. And the seed lands on different types of soil. Some seed lands on a path, some on rocky soil, some on thorny soil, and then some on good soil. The seed is God's word. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Whether or not the seed takes root is not dependent on if the seed is good. Whether or not the seed takes root is dependent on the condition of the soil. The soil is us. The soil is our heart. For some, our heart is hard. We receive the word, won't do anything with it. Satan comes and scoops it up. That's what Jesus explains. For some, our heart is rocky. There's all kinds of baggage that we have, things underneath the surface that we haven't dealt with. And so we receive the word, but it doesn't develop deep roots. 
for, for some, our heart is like the thorns where, yeah, I'm all about God and this and this, and God is a priority for me along with my other priorities. And what happens is God's word gets in us, but it doesn't bear any fruit. It gets choked out because, yeah, yeah, it's really important to me, but it's not the most important thing. And then there's the good soil where God's word takes root. We do what it says and then it bears fruit. And that's exactly what Psalm 119, 2 through 4 says. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They don't compromise with evil and they walk only in his paths. We want to be the kind of people who do what God's word says because God's word is the way for us to live. And so if I'm living contrary to what God's word says, I need to change how I'm living. It's not, well, my grandma taught me this or my pastor taught me this or society says this. No, God's word says this. And so I'm going to live that. And that might be really uncomfortable for me. That might mean I have to sacrifice. That might mean I have to say no. That might mean I need to break up with that person. That might mean I need to relook at my friends. That might mean uh, I handle my money differently. That might mean that I got to quit my job and go for a different job. That might, I don't know what it is, right? There's all kinds of examples, but we want to be the kind of people who say God's word is best and we want to follow that. So we believe that the scriptures are the authority in our life. God's word says it, we want to live it. One of the great things that we find in God's word is the gospel. The word gospel means good news. And so we believe as a church that the gospel is what saves people and what changes people. And here's what the good news is. The good news is that you and I were created in God's image. Genesis 1:27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. By the way, as I'm talking, if there's things, questions, or thoughts that you have, jot them down. If you want to take notes on this, you can do that as well. But we're going to have a time where, again, I want, I want you to ask some questions. But the good news is this. You and I were created good. We, you were created in God's image. Your coworker who you can't stand was created good. Created in God's image. Right? Your mother-in-law was created good. In God's image. That person who stabbed you in the back is created in God's image. Every single person is made in God's image. We are good. And that's where the good news begins. Genesis 1.27. But the truth is, all of us have fallen short. All of us have messed up. And you don't need me to convince you of that. You already know that. You can look at your life and you can look at the trail of bodies behind you. You can look at your life and you can see the missteps, the mishaps, the regrets, the pain, the shame, the hurt, all of it. You know you hadn't gotten it right. And because of that, the wages of our sin, all the things we regret, is death. What we deserve is death. But the good news is that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live a perfect life a life we can't live, to die the death we deserve. He took all of our sin on himself on the cross. 
and wiped it out. And when Jesus died, in some mysterious way, our sin died with him. And we've been forgiven and redeemed if we'll accept that sacrifice. Um, I want to point this out before we move on. It's really important. And I'm telling you this too so that you can explain it to others. And so you can hopefully have a better grasp of it yourself. It's important when we think about the good news of God to start with Genesis 1.27 that you are made good in God's image. You can't start with Romans chapter 3 that says that you're a dirty, rotten sinner who's messed up. Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's not where it begins. It begins with you were made good and God wants to make you good again. And he makes you good through the goodness of Jesus. So, um, Psalm 130, verse 3 through 4. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. The good news is this. God doesn't keep a record of our sins because in Jesus our sins died and we can be redeemed. Jesus was crucified, he was buried. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. And there's evidence for the resurrection in the New Testament. There's evidence for the resurrection in history. So you can know what you believe is true. Some, some evidence for the resurrection is they never found a body. Evidence for the resurrection is Jesus showed himself alive after being dead and he didn't just pass out. He didn't just fall asleep on the cross. He was killed by a Roman guard who was trained in killing people. He knew how to kill people. He specialized in it. He was dead. He was buried. But three days later, he rose again from the dead and he showed himself to his disciples. He showed himself to a crowd of 500 people at the same time. And I doubt it was an acid trip that they were all on. But he shows himself to 500 people who see it. And when Paul writes about it, he said, and some of them are still alive. So, hey, if you doubt me, if you don't believe me, you can go ask them. Paul, who dedicated his life to killing Christians, became a Christian after seeing the resurrected Jesus. Like, what would it take for somebody to completely turn their life around and begin to follow the one that they didn't believe in before? Probably to see him resurrected. And then James, Jesus' brother, believed that he rose again from the dead. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God before. I mean, if you have a brother or sister, what would it take for you to believe they were the Son of God? <laughs> You'd be like, no way, because <laughs> you know them. But if they rose again from the dead, you'd probably be like, maybe there's something there. James, Jesus' own brother, started following him. So Jesus rose again from the dead, and because of that, we have hope that we too can rise that we too can rise not just after this life and be with God forever and eternity, but that we can rise here and now and live a greater life than we could ever imagine. This is what we believe. Like we believe that God saved us and redeemed us for more than just being better people, right? I mean, Jesus did die on the cross so that you could have a better than mediocre marriage, right? Or was that his hope and dream? I just hope 
they get by in their marriage. No. Like Jesus died on the cross so that you could not have to struggle with that sin over and over again and live in the shadows of despair and regret. You believe that, right? Like, he didn't just die so that you could barely eke by and struggle with this thing forever? No. He said, you're the light of the world. Jesus died so that we can journey with him, follow him, become more like him. So that we can have victory. So that we can triumph. So that we can live life to the full. That's what he said. I've come that you might have life. Oh, but not just life. Life to the full. So, this is what we believe God is calling us to something more. This is why we want to journey with him. This is why we want to invite others to journey with him. Because I've met a savior. I've met somebody who's redeemed me. I've met somebody who's transformed me. I've met somebody who knows me better than I know myself. And he loves me. And he calls me by name. And he calls me to something greater. And so I'm all in with him. My life, my marriage, my finances, my my whole outlook on everything is transforming and shifting and changing and it's better than it's ever been before. Not that there's not struggles, not that there's not hardships, not that there's not downfalls, but even in the difficult times, I'm not alone because he's with me. This is why we're compelled to share our faith because I've met a savior who gives me life because he rose from the dead. Are you living that way right now? Is that the kind of Christianity you're living? Or are you living a kind of Christianity that's powerless? That is timid? Are you living a faith right now? Like, would somebody look at your life and say, I want the life that you have because of your faith, because of, hey, and if you hear that and you're like, dang, that's not me, like, come on, let's, let's get to it. Jesus is leading us there, so let's follow him. Let's become those kind of people. That's what it is to be the church. That's what it means to be a Christian. This is what we believe. I'm not asking you guys to come out here every Thursday night for us to gather to talk about starting up an organization that's going to meet on Sundays. I'm asking you to gather here on Thursday nights because I believe that this is the start of a move of God here in this city. And it begins in your life. If a move of God is going to take place in our midst, it's got to take place in our midst, within you, within us. So this is what we believe, that Jesus rose from the dead so that we could have life and have it to the full. And the way that we accept the sacrifice of Jesus, the way that we accept this free gift is through God's grace through faith, by confessing and repenting 
in baptism so that we can live the lives God has called us to. So here's how somebody becomes a Christian and somebody accepts this gift of forgiveness from Jesus. Grace through faith by repenting and confessing. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It is by grace, and by the way, let's just talk about grace. Grace is getting the opposite of what you deserve. And so I don't know what you did this week. I don't know if you showed up here thinking maybe you're a bit hypocritical or maybe you're not where you need to be or feel like you need to be. Maybe you're beating yourself up or maybe, I don't know. Can I just remind you about grace? Because that's what we believe. Grace says God doesn't hold whatever sins you have against you, but He remembers them no more. That's good news. Thank God for that. I'm not defined by my worst mistake. I don't have to beat myself up for all the ways that I failed this week because God has already forgiven me. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Grace. I just want to remind you about grace. We want to be the kind of people, our church, man, we give grace in gallons. Like we pour grace out. And so, yeah, God loves you for who you are and not as you should be because none of us are as we should be. We got to come to that realization. I'm not as I should be and thank God for his grace. Thank God that he loves me. Now I want to become more like him because of his grace, because he loves me. Regardless of who you are, where you've been, and what you've done, when you come to Journey, what we want you to know is that God loves you and we love you. I want to be the kind of church where formerly incarcerated people can sit next to soccer moms. I want to be the kind of church where addicts and uh, I'm choosing what I say carefully because I got kids. I want to be that kind of church where anybody can come and know that they're loved and cared for because of grace, grace. Grace is getting the opposite of what you deserve. So it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And so you just believe that. You believe it to the point where you say, I'm going to live it. I'm going to do something about it. Right? That's what faith is. Faith is putting our belief in action. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're saved by God's grace through faith. We say, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to follow God. That's repentance. And it's in baptism that God washes away our sins and gives us the gift of His Holy Spirit to live inside of us. So in Christ, Galatians 3.26, So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. When we get baptized, it's like we're putting on Jesus. Some other things take place in baptism. Our sins are washed away, Acts 2.38. God's Spirit comes to live inside of us, Acts 2.38. 
um, we put on Jesus what I just read, Galatians 3.27. In baptism, we're buried with Christ and we come up a brand new creation. You only bury dead things. If I buried you right now, I'd go to jail because you're alive, right? We bury dead things. Before baptism, we're dead in our sins. Once we're baptized, we come up a brand new creation, resurrected with Jesus into our new life. Romans chapter 6. Um, so, the way we accept the, God's gift of salvation is first His grace. We don't do anything to earn it or deserve it. He gives it to us freely. And we accept that free gift through faith, believing it's for us, and repentance, believing it's for us so much to the point where we say, I'm going to live for you. And we meet him in the place of baptism to receive that gift. And then, once we're saved and become Christians, it's so that we can live the life God has called us to, do the works he's called us to. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works with God prepared in advance for us to do. Once you become a Christian, your job is not to go church hopping to figure out how you can go deeper by getting into uh, Bible studies that are going to confuse the hell out of you. Right? I just want to go deeper. Let's dive deep into the Word. That's great that you want to go deeper, but my question is, when's the last time you baptized your friend? When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? That's great that you want to go deeper, but right now you're holding on to a grudge and you got to forgive. That's deep. That's great that you want to go deeper and learn all kinds of stuff about the nuances of what the Greek and the Hebrew have to say in the Bible. But let me ask you, how are you doing at loving your neighbor? How's your relationship with your wife? How about you stop cussing at her? Then you'll start to get deep, right? I mean, is this too, is this too much? Is this too real? Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm not starting a church to play games anymore, all right? So, but we've been, oh, Lord, I made the baby cry. But we, we've been saved that we can live the life God has called us to live. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Nobody ever said that. But we're walking with Jesus. Um, let me move on. I want to get to our Q&A. A couple of things. We believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through Him. And so Jesus is not a way. He is the only way to God. Acts 4.12 There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So Jesus is not a way, but the only way to God. It's not by being a good person. It's not Buddha, Muhammad, uh, Confucius. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And what's great is Jesus offers the invitation to anyone and everyone to follow him. When we say Jesus is the only way, that's not exclusive. That's inclusive for everybody because Jesus has come to me. Anyone who knocks, the door will be open. I'm right here. So we believe in a very inclusive faith. And Jesus is the one who gives an open invitation. Let me talk about uh, mission and the church, what we believe about that. So the church, 
is a gathering of people, a group of people on mission. The church is not a Sunday morning worship event. And I'm becoming more and more aware of that even now in the process of launching this church. So in the church that I led before the rising, a lot of my focus was on Sunday morning. And I taught the church is the people, not the building. The church is the people, not the place. And that's true. And we modeled after that. A lot of our focus was on Sunday. And I think, and as I've visited different churches, and as I've talked with people about coming out to join us in what we're doing, what I'm finding for a lot of Christians is the definition of church is the hour that I'm sitting in a seat on Sunday morning. That's church. People have told me, when you start the church, then I'll come. They're talking about our grand opening in March when we start doing worship events on Sundays. Sunday morning is an important part of being the church, but it is not church. It is not the church. It's a worship event. Sunday morning is a time for you to come and get some marching orders to get filled up so that you can go be the church throughout the week in your workplace, in your home, in our community, right? The church is not Sunday morning. We're going to do Sunday morning gatherings. That's important about being part of the church, but that is not the church. So I'm telling people now, don't wait to come sit on a Sunday, come be the church now. The decision you need to make about being part of a church is not where are you gonna sit on a Sunday. The decision you need to make about being part of a church is what group of people am I gonna to choose to be my crew, my community, the people I'm hanging out with, the people I'm doing life with, the people I'm in it with, who's my tribe? That's really what you're trying to find out. Most people, when it comes to choosing a church, go and they judge, do I like the music? Eh, wrong thing. Do I like the preaching? Eh, wrong thing. Those things are important. Programs for kids, teens. Those things are important. It's like getting married to somebody. You want to marry somebody, yes, who looks good. Because you got to wake up next to them every single day for the rest of your life. But don't marry somebody just because they look good. Marry somebody because they got a good personality. Because uh, you guys have chemistry. You click. You connect. Marry somebody because there's compatibility. That's what you're looking for. When people go to a church and they judge, are we going to go to this church or not based on the music or the preaching, they're saying, does she look good? What you have to determine is am I going to be a part of this community? Or is this my crew, my tribe? What we are working on is moving beyond just Thursday nights, but texting, calling, hanging out with one another throughout the week. That's what we want to do. We want, to, this, we want this to be your crew, your community, your tribe. That's what we're building. So the church... It's not just Sunday morning, but the church is a gathering of people on mission headed in the same direction. And we are a church that's starting so that people will meet Jesus and journey with Him. That's our mission.
That's what we're about. We are a church um, who is recklessly running with and toward Jesus. We're people who believe that He and we are greater than just me. We're a church where gratitude is our middle name. We're a church where we be what we want to see. Real is all we know, and we're the kind of people who bring it. That's our way as a tribe, as a community. That's what we're creating, and that's what we're inviting people to. Not a seat on a Sunday morning. We're inviting them to a way of life, following Jesus. And this is the expression of it through the local church. Um, I want to conclude with this, and I want to open it up. Here's, here's what it means to be a great church. Not to have phenomenal preaching. By the way, you don't have to worry about that. I'm going to bring it. Not, but that's not it. Not to have great music. You don't have to worry about that. We're going to do everything we can to have great music. Here's what it means to be the church. Like, we want to be the kind of people who, and this is what it means to change the world. Here's how we change the world. We be the kind of people who love on teachers so that teachers fight over having kids from Journey in their class. Because they're like, oh, I want Journey Church kids. Because Journey Church kids, their parents, man, they're so encouraging. They're so helpful. Like, so that when we show up to the parent-teacher conference and, you know, you don't want to be there, teacher don't want to be there, see people all day, but you meet with them, they're like, let me tell you, your kid is such a blessing to have in my class. Like, we saw that you guys went to Journey, and I was like, they need to be in my class. And you're like, oh, that's so awesome. How long have you been coming to our church? This is when we start meeting on Sundays, but, you know, gathering and stuff like that. And the teacher says, oh, I don't, I don't go there, but I love it because the parents are so generous. The parents are so caring. Like, we know if there's ever a need in our classroom, like, you got to step up and take care of it. Like, your church is just so caring and generous. Like, we love it. That's how we change the world. The way we change the world is by showing up at work. And our boss is like, do you have more people in your church I can hire? Because you're such an awesome worker. Like your work ethic, your attitude, like you come in here grateful, right? Like, are there other people in your church looking for jobs? Because if your church is like you, I'll hire everybody in your church. We show up and be great workers. That's how we change our workplace, which ultimately helps us change the world. Do you see what I'm saying? For us to be an effective church, for us to change the world, for us to make disciples, for us to love our neighbors, it starts with us. It starts with Jesus being in our midst, changing us, transforming us. And then we take that out with us 
And it's not like you got to put it on or act or pretend or try really hard to be a good Christian. No, it's just like you live that. Because I've met Jesus. I don't get it right all the time then, but I'm chasing after him. Like I'm running towards him. And I'm desperate for him. And that just plays out in your life. The way we be the church is you wake up tomorrow and you say, God, help me see people the way you see them. Help me see them the way you see them as your children. The way you be the church is you believe what Peter says. Peter who hung out with Jesus. 1 Peter 2.9, but you, I just want to read this over you, but you are a chosen people of royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession to proclaim the virtues of him who called you out into darkness or out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. First Peter 2, 9 through 10. That's who you are. The church is not the pastor or the staff. The church is all of us being the holy people of God, living out the ministry God has called you to, to love your neighbor, to love the people in your workplace, to love your family. And that hidden talent you have to figure out how to use that to glorify God. And maybe it's not that hidden talent, maybe it's something else, some other gift or ability God has given you. You figure out how to use that to bring heaven here to earth. So, what we believe. We talked about grace and salvation and the church and Jesus and God's word. And these are all the big things. And if we can get on the same page about the big things, we're golden. Hey, well, thanks so much for listening. My hope is that you were inspired by what you heard and your inspiration would move you to action and you would want to join our launch team. You can check out more information and join our team at thisisjourney.church. You can also give there to support the ministry. You can sign up for our prayer team to be praying for what God is doing in and through us. But my hope is you'll join us and get in on the ground level because the journey continues.